WALT. It's the Midnight Disease. Sam Tingman coming to you on the Electro Voice RE20 via the Great River ME1NV, the Harrison 32 EQ, and the RNC 500. Analog tones on a Friday afternoon in the universe, keeping you company in the moon cabin. Folks, it's going to be a quick one because, as you can perhaps hear in my voice, I am a little bit sick. Did you ever sneeze so hard that that your ears were ringing afterwards? That's a thing that happened to me earlier today. Yeah, not feeling great. So I am not going to subject you to my medicine head voice for an extended period of time today. Rather, you know, in the Kyria Traber episode from earlier this week, I got the chance to talk a little bit about family ghosts, and I was characterizing some of my later family ghost experiences as somewhat stressful and harrowing. And after I put the episode out, I I was thinking to myself, you know, I I don't want to forget, just because I associate a lot of heavy emotional anguish with the end of the run of family ghosts, I don't want to forget that for a while it was one of the most stimulating creative experiences that I've ever had. And I was dipping back into the archives and remembering this one story in particular that I thought, given the season, felt nice for me to revisit and could be fun to share with all of you today. This is a story told by Susan Kent, a wonderful performer and storyteller here in Brooklyn. And it is the only pure ghost story that we ever did on Family Ghosts. There are a lot of reviews uh, on the Family Ghosts page in Apple Podcasts of people coming and saying, this show is not what I thought it was. I came here expecting supernatural ghost stories, and I like it. It, I I enjoy it, but it's not what it says on the tin, which was the reason I came up with my somewhat cheesy slogan for the show, the families are real, the ghosts are metaphorical, and the truth is always relative. Allow me to now duck while you fling tomatoes at my person. But this is a story that Susan calls Cece, and it's very in keeping with the season of the spirits. I hope you enjoy it on WALT. My mom was the kind of person who was a big believer in the afterlife, or at least she really wanted to be. She wasn't like all of the Southern Baptists that I grew up around. Mom was more into the spooky shit. She liked the creepy things. And so she wanted to know that there were ghosts and spirits and poltergeists, and she was always looking for evidence. As a kid, I spent a lot of time going out on treks with her to find ghosts. So we'd go to the mausoleum in the woods And we'd go to the Confederate soldier section of the cemetery. And we'd go to footsteps where there was this trestle out in the middle of the woods where this man supposedly lost his head years before. And you drive out and you park and turn everything off and you wait. And eventually he walks by with a lantern looking for his head. One of her favorite things was a Ouija board. And again, she wasn't like normal people who played it like a, you know, another Parker Brothers board game. It was, she was serious with her Ouija board and she was on a mission to find something out. One time at a party with her best friend, they were playing and she 
wasn't the kind of person who started out with the easy questions like, will it rain next week? Are there spirits here? Mom went straight to, when am I going to die? Her best friend, Cece, was totally freaked out. She said, Barbara, why would you ever ask something like that? And Mom started laughing. Oh, Cece, you're just crazy. Don't you want to know? Like Everybody wants to know when they're going to die. And Cece was horrified by the idea and was just like, Barbara, just don't even talk about it anymore. I can't talk. And Mom said, girl, it's going to be hard if I die first because I'm going to haunt the shit out of you. And Cece freaked and was like, Barbara, you just please don't even say that. I don't want to hear that. And once Mom realized that she was serious, they made a pact. Mom said, all right, listen. I will promise that if I die first, I will not haunt you. If you promise that if you die first, you will haunt me. About eight years later, Cece was diagnosed with a brain tumor. And the cancer took hold really quickly, and she died a couple of years later. And that was in December of 1978. And as upset as mom was that her best friend had died, she was also on a mission looking out because she knew Cece would be back. After Cece died, her mother gave me a crucifix that used to hang in Cece's bedroom. And mom took it and hung it in her own bedroom. And for years, we were always on the lookout for any sort of symbol or sign that she was around. So for years, everything, any weird interaction we had, any sort of strange light that would happen, or things would go missing, or the dogs would stare at the wall, it was Cece, and we just knew it was her. Still, there was never solid evidence. When I was 16, I was at home by myself, getting ready to go out with some friends of mine, and I was getting dressed, and the way you got dressed at my house was, you get everything ready in the bathroom, and you get your hair and your makeup done, and then you go to mom's bedroom where the only floor-length mirror was. So you'd have to stand on my mom's bed and look back at her dresser where the full-length mirror was. I went into mom's bedroom and stepped up on the bed like I always did. And before I was able to get up and turn around to the mirror, I saw the crucifix. And there, under Jesus' left arm, at a 45-degree angle, was written Cece in green letters. And I completely freaked out and threw myself against the dresser and went running down the hallway and started trying to dial the phone frantically, trying to get to my mom. It took four times to dial it right, and finally she answers at the flower shop where she worked. Hello, this is Creations, Barbara speaking. And I just screamed and cried and panicked. Oh my God, oh my God, what's going on? I, ah, you know, just screaming. And finally the one word mom heard was Cece. And she was like, Susan, I thought you were being killed. What's wrong with you? It's Cece? Why are you upset? We've been waiting for this for years. She's here? 
And I was still crying and panicked and upset that she wasn't as upset as I was that there was a ghost writing on the wall. And so she just said, Susan, calm down, call your friend, have them come pick you up. I'll be home later. So when mom got home that night, she went into her bedroom and she stood in front of the crucifix and she started crying. And she pulled out some old letters that Cece had written and checked the handwriting and the signature was the same. And she looked at me and said, Susan, you know how important this is to me. This isn't funny. If this is a joke, you need to let me know. And I did my best to reassure her that I hadn't done it. I was crying and scared and had to leave home. I just couldn't understand why she didn't believe me, especially for somebody who had been just waiting her whole life for a pure sign of the afterlife. Cece's name was written in green on the wall. And afterwards, Mom spent days searching our house for every green marker, pen, crayon, eyeliner, anything that would make a green mark. And she made all these little hash marks underneath Cece's name. And nothing quite matched. A couple of weeks after, I was getting ready to go to bed, and I heard my mom screaming in the back bedroom. And I went running back, and she was on the floor. And she was clutching this painting and just sobbing hysterically. I was like, Mom, what is going on? What Are you okay? What has happened? And she just held the painting up and turned it around. On the back of the painting, there was a tag. And Mom had written a note on it that said, Is it you? I hope so. I love you. And written on it in the same green, in the same handwriting, at the same 45-degree angle, was just the simple word, yes. I found out that night that Mom had written that note two weeks prior, hidden it there, hadn't told anybody, and had checked it every single night. And that was the night that she discovered it. And still, she wasn't sure that it was really Cece. Years later, when I went home to see my mom, after she had been put on hospice care due to her own bout with cancer, she was in a morphine haze most of the time, but one day she woke up, and we were talking and had a great afternoon. We looked through pictures, and we sang show tunes, and before she drifted back off to sleep that day, she looked at me and she said, Susan, I know what's about to happen, and, and you can tell me the truth now. What are you talking about, Mom? And she said, Susan, you can tell me the truth about Cece. And looking at her lying in that hospital bed, it was amazing to be able to tell her, honestly, I've been telling you the truth all along. That'll do it for this installment of Good Company, folks. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much to Susan. 
I am going to go take some Dayquil. I thank you for letting your madness ride with mine. I will talk to you soon, and until then, keep driving. Oh, the streets of Rome are filled with rubble. Ancient footprints are everywhere. You can almost think that you're seeing.